Raymond. I'm Zara. And we're from the Multifaith Chaplaincy at Bates College. The Multifaith Chaplaincy is for everyone, spiritual, religious, non-religious, secular, or however people may identify. We value curiosity and create spaces for conversation, contemplation, and connection. We've named our podcast Buen Camino, or Good Journey in Spanish, because we'll be talking to people from the Bates community about their personal stories, the paths they've taken, and where they found meaning along the way. Our guest today is Allison Melnick-Dyer, professor of religion here at Bates College. Professor Melnick-Dyer teaches courses on Asian religion and specializes in Tibetan and Chinese Buddhism. Her research considers questions at the intersection of authority, gender, privilege, and the role of the religious institution in Tibetan and Chinese literature and society. Professor Melnick-Dyer sat down with multi-faith fellows Joan Boos and Matt Suslovic to discuss her childhood discovery of Buddhism, how she came to study religion, and finding meaning through beekeeping. Hello, my name is Matt. And my name is Joan. And today we'd like to welcome you to the multi-faith podcast, Buen Camino. So, Professor Melnick Dyer, do you have a particular religious or spiritual background that came from your childhood? Sort of. I have, uh, I come from a multi-religious family. So I grew up in two households, one with my mom, who was raised Irish Catholic, but had a very broad perspective on spirituality. And then uh, my father's household, which was um, social humanistic Jewish in, in origin, and different people in that family practice to different levels of intensity and with different goals. So I think that the unifying factor was uh, focus on humanism and concern for humanity. That said, at a very young age, I was informed by an older family member who was 11 years older than me that I was, in fact, not Jewish, whereas the rest of the family was. And no one, no one spoke up against this. And so that was, you know, in, in the moment, somewhat alienating, but led me to question what it means to have a religious identity and what does it mean to be Jewish or to be Catholic. And so that was a question that stuck with me for a long period of time. And how did you first learn about Buddhism, and how did you come to explore that tradition? So I uh, first learned about Buddhism actually from my Uncle Dan, who gave me a book. Um, I think it was called the Buddha's Little Instruction Book or something like that. And he was teaching me about uh, mindfulness meditation. I was an anxious kid, and he uh, helped me at multiple points in my life to sort of calm myself using what I later came to know as calm abiding meditation. Uh, when I was around 12 years old, became really interested in Buddhist practice and sought out a Zen temple in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I lived at the time and sort of announced to my parents that I was going to start going to this temple. And they said, sure, okay, yeah, that's fine. You can, you can do that. But you know, we can't pay for the meditation classes. So 
I went to the temple and talked to the head priest there, and uh, she said that I could exchange work for meditation classes. And of course, those that work ended up being uh, meditation practice in and of itself. So I, I first learned about Buddhism very much as Buddhism equals meditation, uh, and understood it that way for a long time until college when I started to discover that there's a lot more to it than that when you look at Buddhist history. And how did you compare that practice of mindfulness and meditation with the other religious traditions you were surrounded with growing up? So I saw similarities across the traditions that I was exposed to, but one thing that American Buddhism has going for it that these other traditions don't is that does aim to be inclusive and in the modern day the American Buddhist community uh, throughout North America is is working to really expand the borders of who is included in that community. Um, it has really historically been a very white community at least among Buddhist converts and so the thing that I found appealing about the Buddhist community in Ann Arbor was that it was very welcoming, that there was no expectation of prior knowledge or identity, whereas I had learned very early on that there were expectations that if you are Jewish, you are only Jewish, and that is it. And if you are Catholic, you are only Catholic. And that is it. And so the the sort of expansive perspective of who is allowed to identify as Buddhist was really appealing to me. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So it sounds like in your experience you found that you didn't have to be pigeonholed into any one tradition, um, which leads me to my next question, which is do you think you can have multiple religious identities? I think you absolutely can. So identity is is a really interesting changing thing depending on the context that that we're in and i know that in the united states we people frequently have, will have one religious identity um, and it was surprising to me to learn especially in asia that people have multiple religious identities some stronger or not, depending on the context and the situation. And so ascribing to multiple religious practices um, is not out of the norm. If you're, if you're a lay person, you don't have to only go to one temple. You can frequent multiple uh, places and talk with multiple teachers. And so for me, I found that to be very appealing and very interesting. In the American Buddhist community, there is a sort of a sort of attempt to take that to an extreme where you get sort of popcorn or salad Buddhism where people are pulling things from all different traditions willy-nilly. And I think there are some, some challenges that arise from that. But uh, it's it makes a lot of sense that as we have um, multifaceted personal identities, our religious identities may also be multifaceted. And you already sort of
sort of touched on some of these intricacies, especially in your role studying religion. But why study religion? Ah, that's a good, good question. Um, <laughs> so for me, religion is something that exists around the world, across cultures, in to, to varying levels of intensity. It's present in one way or another um, across the human family. And I think that understanding the ways that religion is practiced, the roles that religion takes in terms of institutional authority and the the position of religious identity within uh, larger communities is is important if we're going to understand how humans interact with each other what they find to be important or meaningful but also what what organizes society and um, how people navigate that society. So for me, um, studying religion is about more than understanding individual faith or practice. It's about understanding human relationships and power dynamics and gender dynamics across traditions and within specific traditions too. I was talking with a friend the other day about um, religion, and you, you've mentioned a number of times the idea of a human bond that can be forged via religion. And I'm curious what you think through your study of religion, what principles Asian religions or perhaps Buddhism more specifically can endow in people that are something we can take throughout life in religious or non-religious contexts? Well, I, I think that religion serves a a lot of a lot of purposes in society and one of those is giving individual meaning the others are forming institutional structures uh, sometimes legal structures sometimes educational support but there you know there are often soteriological goals behind those religious traditions and they're all different in a variety of ways, but I think that when people explore those and they feel free to explore them um, in a way that is beneficial to them individually or to their community, then there can be a lot of meaning. So for me, learning about Tibetan Buddhism and other forms of Buddhism and um, spending time in, in other religious communities in Asia has helped me to understand that the way we perceive religion in the U.S. is just one of many ways and that there are similarities and there are also differences, but that if you can understand the religious context of a community then you've made a big step towards understanding what makes people tick. And how would you say, I guess, considering you study in a scholarly realm, but also have your personal practice, how do you differentiate your personal practice from your academic study of Buddhism? And, and do these two sides influence each other? Yeah, so I, um, when I started practicing Buddhism, I, I never thought that it would be an academic study. And... Um, was very surprised to find myself in a Tibetan religions course my sophomore year of college um, and ended up um, sort of playing with the idea of studying Buddhism 
academically and studying other Asian religions too. And for me, that was more a historical and cultural pursuit. So I wanted to understand religion as an institutional player. I wanted to understand how people at different points in time in Asian history have engaged in religious communities. I wanted to learn about the literature of these traditions. So in the same way that we think about studying history, for example, for me studying Tibetan religion and Chinese religion was about a different time and place and understanding that what what I had grown up thinking of as Buddhism was but one of many forms of this international tradition. And so it was easy to differentiate the two. And I joked in graduate school that I didn't have enough time to actually practice Buddhism because I was so busy studying Buddhism. And that, you know, was one way, I think, to just to point to the, the ways in which the study of this historical moment or moments and the role of religion in them is, for me, very different from being an American who practices. In that examination, whether it's exposing your students to um, Asian religions or you yourself learning more about Buddhism, have you found that that has been a process of just holding up a mirror to yourself and learning mm -hmm. things about yourself through that study? And what might be some of those big takeaways you've extrapolated from that process? Wow. So there are many things that I've learned about myself through the through the study of, of Asian religious history. But I would say that for me, my, my curiosity is more outward facing in terms of understanding the history of a tradition and being able to preserve that history or interpret that history and share it with other people. And so uh, in that way, I'm, I'm usually more, more preoccupied with getting away from holding up that mirror from that reflexivity, but instead thinking, you know, being aware of that, but also thinking little bit beyond that, if I can. I'm curious, when you speak about your study of Buddhism, did you always know that you wanted to study religion? I mean, you know, after you graduated college, the year after, what did you do? So, uh, so the year after I graduated college, I worked in a shoe store, and I worked in construction on a Native American reservation and in a bookstore. And I went to India for a little while and hung out with some Tibetan nuns there and didn't really know what, what I was going to do next, was playing with multiple ideas. And for me, the idea of studying religion further was something that seemed out of reach, at least at first. And... After a while, I realized that it was something that I was almost feeling compelled to do. Like, I had to learn more. I had to find a way to explore it further. But in college, that was not a foregone conclusion. 
And so, you know, for for people who I know at Bates, we, we worry, seniors worry about what's going to happen next. Um, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure out what your path is. And it was that was the case for me. So in the off chance that any of our listeners will find themselves post-college graduation living with Buddhist nuns, what should they expect? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, they... They should expect to be living, if, if you're living with a group of Buddhist nuns, then you're living with a group of people. And so there are going to be many different perspectives and individual goals and concerns um, that you would find any, anywhere else. But, you know, some things I learned, um, a 6 a.m. wake-up call is sleeping in and... My day looked like a, a fair amount of solitary translating and then working with individual people. So I was not an ordained nun. I had not taken vows or anything like that. Yeah. So their day looked very different from mine. Their days involved all kinds of, of ritual practices and meditative practices, but also keeping up the nunnery, so cleaning and, and taking care of the space that they were in. So it really, really depends. I'm curious, you know, the jobs that you worked in construction and at the shoe store, do you think that those jobs then allowed you to go on and find your passion? Were they an integral part of that journey? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and I would say both, both of those two in, in very different ways. But working in the shoe store, we spent a lot of time talking about questions of uh, social activism, talking about religion, talking about humanity. And it was there that I actually really started to develop um, some semblance of a work ethic and understand how work could be fulfilling through the connections that you make with the people that you engage with on a daily basis. That is a great segue into our next question, talking about work and meaning. Research shows that young people are increasingly looking to work as that source of meaning in their lives. How do you think we and Bates should be preparing students to find meaning in today's world? And should it come from our work? Should it come from other places too? So I, I think that when we focus on work as our only source of meaning, um, we pigeonhole ourselves. And, and that can be problematic if you have a bad day at work, if you don't love your job, but you're sort of doing it to get to some other place, or if it is just simply what you do to sustain yourself financially, economically. That said, I think that it's important that we think about all forms of work as being possible sources of fulfillment. And that might mean fulfillment through a job well done. It might mean fulfillment through making connections with your coworkers or something broader that you're doing for humanity or for the planet. I think that there is also something that we do at Bates that is incredibly helpful for developing the idea of work is important, which is community-engaged learning, uh, which is something that I do in my courses, where we think about the classroom beyond 
the walls of the classroom. We think about going into communities and working with people, learning from them, but also finding ways that we can connect with them to be of support to them, to be helpful for their goals, to enrich their lives and their meaning too. And what do you, what sort of outside work do you do that you find fulfilling, maybe beyond the classroom? <laughs> so I'm a beekeeper. Um, so my my husband and I um, started an apiary a few years ago, and it has had various fits and starts, but um, is now up and going again. And I find a lot of fulfillment in doing that and working with them, but also in just the the interactions that I have with with friends, with family, um, with m- my dog, and uh, in in exploring the natural world in Maine and being out in the woods. Um, so I feel like there are a lot of ways to find meaning that may or may not incorporate work as such. I have to ask this question. Yeah. If you were to compare and contrast the similarities and differences between your bees Mm -hmm. and the ordinary Bates student, (laughs) show us the Venn diagram. So so bees work very well together. And as I I learned from my my students when we took them to um, Ladakh last last year, they work very well together. Uh, there's there's a, a a group goal and identity that is built, but I think that bait students are also thinking beyond the hive, so to speak. Um, frequently, they're thinking about what they're doing at baits, but they're also thinking beyond that. And what would you say, I suppose we've been dancing around this question for quite a while, but what gives you meaning? That's a big question. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I find, you know, rejuvenation from being in the natural world and connecting with the natural world and also with connecting with people, with animals. I find meaning from traveling to new places, being in new new situations, but also uh, helping helping others, connecting with others, finding shared experiences is really important to me. And uh, helping people feel like they belong in the world, even when they might not for one reason or another. Do you think that through your times with the nuns or your study of meditation specifically, you've been able to find mindful practice or spirituality in everyday or normal activities that aren't necessarily spiritually delineated? Yes, um, but I would I would say that I have begun to understand that it's possible for that to to exist, and that for many people who are serious practitioners, they've developed that. I I don't think that my own personal practice has gotten me to that point, um, and I think that there's probably a lot more that I've learned about the history of 
Tibetan Buddhist women um, than I have gained in my own practice over the years. So I just have one question, then Joan can wrap us up. I'm curious, what have you learned about the world and how humanity might ought to function by working with bees? Short of it, <laughs> what can we learn from bees? It's very important to remain calm at all times. <laughs> and if you, if you can't get your smoker going, you shouldn't go beyond that step. <laughs> if you can't handle the smoke, get out of the kitchen. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Opa. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Colin Kelly in the Bates Digital Media Studio, the Multifaith Fellows, Multifaith Chaplain Brittany Longstork, and Allison Melnick-Dyer for sharing her story with us. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us when we come back in September.